helping CEOs and business leaders discover the energy to perform exceptional brilliance and positively impact the lives of those around them. Be inspired by world leaders and next level gurus. This is the Active CEO Podcast, where the ordinary don't belong. And now your hosts, Craig Johns and Ben Gathercole. Welcome back to the Active CEO Podcast. This is part two of episode one. We're talking about periodization, work-life balance. So let's get cracking. And were you able to switch off? Like, were you able to go, there's a clear line, there's the boundary of this is working for the Brumbies and this is my home life? Oh, look, in, in truth, and I think every true leader will say this, probably not. You try very hard and you might um, put on a pretty good front, uh, but you're, you're continually, you know, one quarter of the time when you're at home still thinking about how we're going to achieve this certain task or whatever it happens to be in three quarters. So, uh, you know, to me, in hindsight, looking back, um, you, you have to be very diligent on being engaged at home. Um, and that's, that's a very important thing to me. Um, and I think we can all continue to get better at that. That's, yeah, those, those sort of environments, it's no different than any pressure. I, I can't imagine what the pressure would be like in a hospital environment uh, or emergency services environment or anything, any uh, high-end type jobs like that. The, the pressure, the time, um, the single focus, very hard to let go of. And you've done a lot of, you obviously did a lot of traveling with all your roles so, mm. and you've been able to experience a lot of cultures, a lot of different people around the world. Tell me a little bit about your experience with the Fijian boys at the ACT Brumbies, you know, especially with regards to rooming. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, this is, this was quite a enlightening experience for me. A humbling, I'm, I'm a white Anglo-Saxon middle-aged male. Um, I give everybody a handshake. Uh, the boys at the Brumbies were early 20s from an uh, Islander culture. And uh, I'd go to shake their hand and they would just look at me and I, I won't try and do an accent, but they'd look at me and go, bro, and just give me a big bear hug. Uh, so for a white, middle-aged white Anglo-Saxon male, that was pretty confronting. Especially a triathlete. Yeah, especially a triathlete, little skinny bloke. They'd, they'd have a great laugh and feel my ribs. Look at this skinny fellow, feel his ribs. Look at this little white boy. So uh, <laughs> we always got a bit of a chuckle about that. Uh, so I, I learned a lot from those young gentlemen and, and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but the rooming experience that, uh, so in a traditional rugby environment, the captain always gets a room to himself and uh, everybody else shares a room. Um, and one, one of our games, the captain, traditional captain was injured and one of the island boys was going, was the standing captain. And he said, please don't give me a room to myself. And I'm like, are you kidding? You know, we've been on the road for three weeks. Of course you want a room to yourself. He goes like, no, 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 no. I don't want a room to myself. And this is probably my second year in the role. And, uh, I went down the hallway and what I realised was that from the Islander cultures, they all liked bunking in together. And so these probably six massive, more than 100 kilo men, young men were just living in one room, just sleeping on top of each other, just lying on top of their bags. And that's how they really enjoyed it. And then the other room was empty. I'm like, oh, this is amazing, but... What I, what I really learned was that sense of community, that sense of 
kinship, that sense of, um, dare I say, love. Um, massively strong in that culture and something that I really uh, learned from even in my early 50s. That humbleness, you know, we talked about earlier, that the humbleness of the captain to say, hey, look, I don't need to be any no. different to the rest of the team. No. And I think that's a great lesson in the corporate world. Yeah. Where we're quite happy to, to go go eat in a fancy restaurant while our staff are eating somewhere else. Or, you know, I know, I know when I worked in some of the places overseas where the expat staff would, because they were potentially earning a bit more money, would go and eat in the nice restaurant and they would avoid the staff restaurant. Yeah. It was the local food. You know, for some of them, they, they probably struggle with some of the local food, but they decided they want to be with their friends all the time rather than integrating it. And that was something that I know some of our leadership team would make a real point of that it's important to to be with the people, understand them, learn from them, and not to separate ourselves no. because you're all there working together to produce, obviously, the ultimate outcome. You know, from a sport point of view, it's winning a championship or uh, in the workplace is, is to be you know, better inside your industry or be the leader or whatever that may be or improve your profit margins or or improve the people you're dealing with. Yeah. So I, I think that's really valuable. I definitely 100% agree with that. And I think as a, as a takeaway point in this, um, you know, engaging with your people rather than um, just being above or um, disengaged, a massive point. Yeah. And you, you got to obviously coach a number of CEOs, you know, with as a triathlon coach, you, yeah. you'd have a number of people that were, it seems to be well, those A-type success-driven people tend to congregate towards triathlon. So, you know, what, what are some of the things that they're, you know, as a coach, it's obviously quite different to coaching an Olympian. You know, what are the sort of things you're dealing with a lot more when, you're, when you've got CEOs or yeah, um, busy people? Yeah, that's... Once again, that's a tough question. Um, it's really about trying to impart your experience and, and a time management type skill to try and achieve everything that they're trying to achieve. And uh, inevitably, you see in a, in a triathlon sense, uh, it's the busiest people, so give the job to the busiest person uh, is an old saying. Um, and you definitely see that in triathlon. Um, I want to do an Ironman, and you talk to people, and they're like, and by the way, I'm in a senior leadership role in my work. Um, I have three young children uh, and I've gone back to study online and I'm the soccer coach on Saturday morning. And you think, wow, this is outrageous. But as you said, it's that the, the type A personality give the job to the busiest person. It's really about time management. Can you fit all this in? Well, the answer is yes. It's where you prioritise your time. And I think that's a big thing. Periodisation, prioritising time, those sorts of Overall themes are massively important when we start to talk about the active CEO, where the ordinary don't belong. I'm doing a 60-hour work week, but I'm going to train for an Ironman too. It's where the ordinary don't belong. It's, yeah. it's an amazing thing. I don't really have a... I don't know why that happens, but I see it continually, almost day in, day out. Yeah, I know when I first moved to, to Taiwan, I was working 50, 60 hours a week. Um, fantastic jobs, very physical. I was on my feet the whole time, you know, working with uh, learn to swim and also coaching and in a teaching environment. So a very wonderful place to work. But I went, when I arrived there, I was 87 kgs within a year. I'd been encouraged by 
some great friends over there to get back into triathlon. Lost 17 kgs in the first year, and I was training 25 hours a week. Um, and it, it was just about, as you say, it was just prioritizing that time. Like it, you know, I still had time to spend with friends, not not so much, but my priority was around. I wanted to be healthy again, and I wanted to inspire people yeah, as well. I suppose that wasn't really a that's massive a driving motivator. But if your priority is to be healthy again, you know, it's something we should talk about here because we all know that feeling of coming home from a ten or twelve hour day, and the initial response when you get home is to eat poorly mm. and to probably drink more than what you should. Yep. So how do we break that cycle? That's a really difficult question it's something that i'd really like to delve into in this active ceo program how do you break that that's tough oh look and for a lot of people it's generally a life changing experience their mate has a heart attack um they they have a child and they you know everything about it becomes more about someone else than themselves they start thinking a little bit differently you know for for me it was i think a lot around where i I was like, you know what, I'm working in a hot environment, you know, coming from a New Zealand winter to a hot environment. And, and I was like, I actually don't feel comfortable with the way I look anymore. Yeah. And, you know, you would know as well, growing up as an athlete, you, your perception of what is healthy is quite slanted compared to probably the normal lifestyle. But I was like, you know what, I, I actually want to be healthy. And it drove me. And I just, I love the aspect of, you know, we were talking earlier today around you've got to put energy in to get energy out. Yeah. And just that feeling of once I got back into it, of going, you know what, yes, I was tired after that session this morning, but I have so much more energy today. And I'm vibrant and I'm happy and, and those... Uh, well, so those, those endorphin rush from that simple form of exercise, we all know um, at any level that that's a good thing. Mm. But as I said, I, I'm really interested in how to, te- how to tease that out when you do come home from those long days at work, plenty of pressure, plenty of stress, uh, I know that when I've done those long days, you, you miss lunch, you have a coffee, you get to mid-afternoon, I'll have a Coke, you get to seven o'clock at night, I still haven't eaten well, you get home, you go to the glass of wine or the beer, it's a downward spiral and it's really something I think we, we need to concentrate on. I think a lot of it comes, yeah, a lot of it is, it, it, it's a big challenge, but I think a lot of it comes down to planning. Yep. Right, so, and having a goal. Goals just are so powerful in helping you achieve things and writing them down, not, not typing them into computer, not just thinking them in your head, actually physically writing it. Now, I think, I was recalling the other day that when you type something onto computer, it only, there's only something like eight responses in your brain when you type it. When you actually physically write it, it's tens of thousands of responses going on. So the me- so it's a lot more powerful in the memory of it. Yeah. And so I think you've got to have that connection to, to what you're doing. So one, being able to set a goal and and make sure you put it in a way that you can be accountable for it. And that's why writing it down and, and obviously sharing it is really powerful. Yeah, sharing it, I think, is probably a big thing with your, with your loved one or someone that you trust. It's a, it needs to be a safe space. You're not posting on the whiteboard at work at the coffee table. You know, you need to really entrust somebody that's close to you. You know, and that brings another good point about your support network, the people that you you impart information and the people that you listen to and the people that you're willing to share information in a leadership role. A very, very um, tough thing to do because 
where I think we've all been bitten over time about sharing information that goes out through your organization. And as a CEO, uh, cut your legs off pretty fast. Oh, it's about being able to form that kind of circle of trust or the type five or whatever you may call it, where all of you know in that group that when you, you meet up, it's like, like there's, there's no phones on. This yep. is what we talk nothing about. Nothing steps yeah. outside of here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same with sharing your goals. I mean, obviously, at home and in your home relationship, that's another area. But in the work environment, it's uh, it's probably not as easy, I'd say. Yeah. Because I, I think it's been phrased to me in, in some of my roles um, that the people that you're there at work with are, are work colleagues. They're not actually your friends. And I find that a little bit shallow because I know that I've developed some of my best friendships through my work engagement. So... It's maybe it's a little bit of a two-way street. Maybe it's true in some sense, but I, I, I would hope to think in my heart as a humble, loving, caring person that it's probably something that you can work on in the work environment. Yeah, and I think that, that is something we're, we'll probably bring out over the next few weeks in some of the, the blog posts that we do. I mean, we've got a blog post that goes out every single week and we you know, choose different topics. And you know sometimes it's to do with, say, change management or it might be, uh, how to be a better leader or it might be something to do with um, improving your wellness. We'll mix them up a little bit. So we're starting to bring some of these strategies out. And I think, you know, what we're talking about there is that, you know, that friendship aspect, we sometimes we go, oh, we don't want to hire friends because then it, it, it yep. kind of, it blurs the lines of what is work and what isn't. But if you do it right, it's a lot more enjoyable doing it with people that, you trust and enjoy working around or being with. Absolutely. So if you can connect that in workplace, it's very, very powerful. And I think you will actually uh, get people to stay in those working environments a lot longer. If we look at children, they do things not because they're always the best at them, but they do things because their mates are doing it. So you look at sporting choices. They'll go to the most attractive sport or the most attractive, whether it's dance or art or whatever, but... It's generally with their friends. They won't. There's not too many people that will just go. I'm going to do that on their own accord. Yeah. And I think that's it's the same when we're adults. But we tend to, like a lot of things in life, we take the kid out of us. Mm. When I think we should be bringing the kid back into us a lot more. And well, I think you, you do you, you do a lot of those things with your friends or your, your cohorts in the modern parlay. Um, but you also love it, and you see kids, young kids playing sport before the whole result thing comes into it. And they yeah. just love it. Yep. They're engaged 100% of the time. Um, they're, they're, it's not about who's going to win or the fitness of it. They're just doing it because it's just great fun with their mates. And, and there's got to be something back in the workplace about that. It's got to be great fun. Oh, I think, you know, what are the statistics? It's something like 85% of people don't like their job. Yeah. They just turn up. And, and so... Oh, as an active CEO, that's a massive thing to know and to try and really work your head around. Engage with your staff, um, work-life balance, all, all those things to be a true proactive and active CEO, to be not an ordinary CEO, where the ordinary don't belong. Oh, for sure. And you know, if we kind of look at that and go, well, there's 85% of people don't like their job and there's only sort of 15% that really do. If we look at, say, the 80-20 rule where 80% of your workload gets done by 20% of the people. I wonder if they actually correlate and maybe we can have a look at that and talk about that in a future podcast. Yeah, yeah. It'd be really interesting to delve into that. And, and just to go back a little bit, step on the uh, on that 
notion of getting home tired and diet and uh, what you were talking about when you write things down, it just sticks a little bit more. So one of the other things I'd like to expand on too is just the simplistic keeping a food diary, knowing what you're actually putting in and having a look at it at week's end. So if there's a pattern where you are missing lunch or afternoon snack or whatever it happens to be, or you are eating poor quality food or poor food choices, is there a pattern to that and can you change that? Because let me tell you that if you're going to have a Coke and three biscuits from the staff canteen at three o'clock in the afternoon, comparatively to having, making sure you're having water and a piece of fruit, yep. it's going to be a massive change. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about changes here and about changing the cycle. And we brought it up a little bit earlier. Generally, around that six to eight week period, it, yep. the hard part is that third or fourth week, generally, for most people, no matter what change they're making. If you can get to that, if you can get past that six to eight week period, generally, it'll stick and you'll stick with it quite a long time. So it's, it's been able to do that. And when you're talking about nutrition diary, you know, I've done this in the past. I generally only need four to six weeks of that diary. And then I've broken Broke the mold of what I was doing. I can see the results because I'm probably putting in things there like um, how I'm feeling each day and also, you know, potentially weight. Um, could be a little bit careful with that sometimes. Um, but putting weight in there and just being able to see, ah, bang, it's starting to drop. It's all correlating now. And that's the power. And we'll bring that into yeah. a lot of the stuff we do with active CEOs around how can we make this more simple for you. And so you can understand, all right, how much work do you have to put in before it's becomes a lot easier to make that change and things become a little bit more autonomous. You know what, Craig, it's also the same when you start talking about mental health. You know, it, you, you, have to, you have to make that change. You have to think about making that change and, and keeping a wellness diary and keeping and writing those things. Um, and over a period of time, those changes will, you know, it's an often coined phrase about happiness. But I hate to say it, you have to practice that a little bit. Oh, of course you do. Yeah. You can't yeah. just expect that to happen. And I think it's something that we'll be really strong on through the active CEO program. So it's a big area that we can all improve on. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast the other day where someone had a huge addiction in both drugs and alcohol and had flipped his life around. And it was really interesting because he, he speaks a lot around, he kind of demystifies the addiction a little bit and says, look, yes, there's addiction, but it's not as addictive as everyone thinks it is. And it's just about making that change. And it's about realizing that, that moment and being able to write it down. And it's the same with a goal. It, it's been able to put that thing down. So it's no different about changing your diet. It's no different about changing the way you are as a leader or your exercise habits or whatever it may be. It is the same process. And it's challenging. It's, you know, for a lot of people who have you know, struggle with weight for an entire life, it is just around making that change. And once, and when you put it in concrete and when you really work at it, it it's going to take time, but you need to, as you say, it's a good idea to put that plan in place and whether it be mental health, etc. it's being able to write it down, keep a diary of it, being able to review it and improve it just the same as you would if, say, you're developing a new product in your workplace. Yeah. You right. want to record what you're doing along the way so that as you make adjustments, you can see what changes are happening so that when you get that final product, it, it's working and you understand the process to get there so it's a little bit easier next time you try and develop a new product. And I think there's a, a common thread if we go back to and all the things we've spoken about today, 
It's really about improving yourself to become that active CEO, to become that better CEO. And when you become a better CEO, a more active CEO, so to speak, your organisation will feel that, um, dare I say, vibe. Um, and that's the important thing. You're, you're the leader. You're, you need to be the proactive person in this. Um, and it would be really poor or remiss to sit back and not self-assess and self-analyse this. Uh, I know there's plenty of programs and there's plenty of review processes that have gone on in workplaces that might have told people this, but who's the person going to do this? Always has to be led from the top. Yep. And you've got to live it and breathe it. And that's why so many change things fail. Mm. Um, it, it's purely around the culture has to be developed and led from the top. And it has to, you have to have everyone involved in that process. And so if you are building out that sort of active, healthy, wellness-type program in your organization, you have to set the example. You've got to be living and breathing it. You can't just set it up and walk away. Yep. You've got to be involved every single step of the way. And you'll get the results if you do that. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally believe that. Greg, we all know that smart people have great answers, but the best leaders have great questions. So true. So I'd like to ask you, when is the last time that you did something for the first time? Wow, such a great question. That'll be on Monday. Monday we went uh, four-wheel driving with a couple of mates. Went out the back of Canberra, which you know, I've ridden out there before, but never been past this area. And we went from where it went from road to, to dirt roads, which sort of put me back to my childhood back in New Zealand. And we weaved our way up, and I think Canberra is around about 600 metres above sea level. And we got to a point that was 1,420 metres above sea level and gave us gave us a whole 360-degree view of Canberra, New South Wales, down the Brindabellas, and um, probably wasn't clear enough to see down to the snowies, but you'd be able to see down that way, and I'm sure after today's cold with a bit of snow. So we got up there and took the drone up and got this wonderful view and took some magic photos of yeah, someone I've never been, so it was fun. Yeah, fantastic. Down don't yourself. Often, don't often get the chance to do that. No, yeah. and what about yourself? Well, for me, uh, I've just recently delved into making some stroke correction videos for swimming. Yeah. Uh, so I've never done that before, um, almost self-taught, uh, but I had somebody that was uh, uh, helping, assisting me with that, and we, we had a good fun, and it really was something that mm, got out of my comfort zone. So, oh. yeah, I, I like getting out of the comfort zone. It sort of makes you feel alive, makes you feel real. Oh, it certainly does. Look forward to seeing those. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you, who has made the biggest impact on how you lead? Yeah, so many people, I think, that have been influential along the way. And, you know, I can talk about mum and dad, and I think I got a really good side of, you know, really getting in there and giving it a crack from dad and then from mum having that really humble, relaxed kind of way of leading. Uh, outside of that, you know, people such as Mark Bone, who was New Zealand swimming coach, he taught me a lot not just about coaching, but about life and about how to integrate things and and be really balanced in the way that you approach people or you approach projects and, and the whole inclusive nature of it. Uh, so I think he, he was really powerful when I was probably in my 20s and, and really just starting out in that career space. And over the last few years, you know, there's one who we will probably have on the podcast um, in a few episodes time who's very high up 
vice president at a number of really major organizations. So I'm not going to introduce it yet because I don't want to spoil who that is. Um, but they just, I think when we got to talking about how we deal and work with um, board members um, and, you know, we're at that level and, and what that integration should be, uh, gave me some really powerful insights into that ability to help lead them as well as them lead you and getting that real fine balance of how that works. Mm, yeah. And you? Good. Well, I'll pick up on the words, the biggest impact, because I've probably the biggest impact on my leadership or um, roles at high-performance organisations has probably been a poor CEO. Yeah. And the, the poor CEO I really observed and, and thought to myself, when I have the opportunity, I'm not going to make these mistakes. Um, when I have the opportunity, I want to be better than this. When I have the opportunity, I want to be engaging and I want to be that active CEO. Um, so I really learned a lot from that specific instance or circumstance. And I think, or I certainly know that it's improved me as, as a person and the way that I want to lead. Yeah. So that, that was really something that, that the biggest impact for me has been that. Uh, so really, what's the biggest mistake that you've made uh, that you've gained from? And this is probably more pertaining to career and leadership. Yeah, so I spent the early part of my career as a coach, sports scientist, and you know when you get into head coach type roles, you, you have control of everything mm. in that sporting sense. And even though I was working at some huge international schools with a lot of staff, I was still in a position where I could actually lead those programs. And I was overseas and, and got recruited into work in a very high-level role in an executive team at Tanyapur in, in Phuket. Fantastic role, very young, a lot of new skill sets. I was learning every day. I was working 60 to 80 hours a week every week, back-to-back. Um, a new project we were pioneering, and it's the first time I was really in quite an intense environment where I'm getting demanded a lot from the CEO, from the owner, from people below. You know, we've got 500 staff um, and we're, we're talking integration of health, mind, sport, education, hospitality, all together. So we're dealing with a lot of big egos in that as well, probably including myself at that mm. point. And, you know, things would come up and we've got these great ideas coming in and because it had background in various areas, it was quite easy to say, yes, I'll give that a crack and yes, I can do this and yes, we can do that. And I was a bit green on that. And I think so the biggest mistake I made was not saying no and being in positions where there's pressure on you, pressure to either hire a staff or or release a staff or take on a project even though your workload's really big. You know, I just kind of felt that I... Had to say yes. Had to say yes all the time. You know, I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared for it. And so it was just trying to understand that that corporate world and how that worked. And do you think that now comes with just confidence in your own ability? Oh, for sure. And and just understanding that, you know, people will respect you if you say no. It's, It's not the make or break of whether they like you. It's you actually being in control of knowing exactly what you can deliver, what your team can deliver. And being prepared to really own that. Yeah. yeah. And for you, a big mistake for you? Well, you know, you talk about those things and that's almost on a macro level. Um, 
I guess I would think about my mistakes being more on a micro level and it would really, for me, uh, on reflection, it's about engaging with the people in my organisation on a, on a day-to-day, um, you know, almost not minute-to-minute. You don't want to micromanage people, but you want to engage with people. You don't want to be disengaged, uninterested um, or too busy on those macro things not to, to work on that micro level with your people and really take an interest in, in not only what they're doing but who they are and how they go about their business. So my biggest mistake, I think, is is certainly wanting... I would certainly want to engage more um, as I go forward as a leader. That's really powerful. All right, so we're on to, you know, from an actor CEO point of view, each podcast we're going to have a wellness tip. Today, it's the topic we're talking about is Stairway to Heaven. And no, it's not the Eric Clapton no, song no. That, that goes for over seven and a half minutes. And, this it's is, not, and it's not lying in a hospital bed either. No, no, no definitely no. not. We want to avoid that if possible. Oh, for sure. We're, we're active CEOs here. So this is around like putting things in place so that, you know, rather than, say, taking the lift, we can walk the stairs. And so th- there's a number of strategies that we can put into place um, that help you stay physically active it probably doesn't extend your day that much longer um it's just a conscious decision i think to take the the route that is going to benefit your overall health rather than the easy way so to speak Um, and i think we're all akin to that everyone has the lift at work or the escalators at work or you know the big one for me craig is uh, at the airport with the travelators. Yep. Do you choose to take the travelator or, you know what, you can actually just walk. And I'll tell you, it doesn't take that much longer and you're actually getting that activity in. Oh, especially if you travel a lot as a, as as a CEO all, or as a leader. We all do. And you, you've done a long-haul flight. The, the last thing you want to do is leave that blood sitting there. You want to get that moving nice and quickly. And the, the same point goes with the flight lounge. Uh, I, I certainly uh, very apt at sitting in the flight lounge thinking, oh, gee, I'm, I'm tired, I can't do any more. The truth is to get up and walk for 15 or 20 minutes while you're waiting for your flight is far more beneficial. It doesn't take any rocket science to teach you. That's more beneficial than sitting in the flight lounge as comfortable as it might be. I think a great one too is in a lot of companies or, or businesses that the car park that the CEO gets normally is the first one, the closest one to the building. So a really good strategy might be to park on the other side of the car park yep. and, and walk in. Or, and that could be an inclusion thing too with your staff. You give the, your close car park to somebody who... Employee of the month. Yes, employee of the month. Could be a great incentive. Yep. It's probably not teaching them about being active and healthy, but it's a nice <laughs> incentive for them to go, hey, you know what? I've done a really good job, so I get a nice treat. You know, you know sometimes you know, we see when either riding to work or driving to work that people will get off the bus a stop early and will walk the rest of their way. It's a good way to, you know, relax the brain, maybe think about a few things before you actually hit the office. Mm. And I think it, it's one of those things too that needs to be a habit. So just because you do it one day, uh, it's probably not going to make that much difference. But if you choose to do it every day that you're in the office or every day that you're at the airport, every time that you're at the airport or every time that you catch the bus you're going to add up that. It's a cumulative type effect, and that's where it's important. That's great. So, all right, so stairway to heaven. So think about ways that you can increase... Simple. You know, the, the activity that you do, and it, you know, you'll be surprised at just how easy it is to relax the brain and that before you go into work or, or when you're going from meeting to meeting or, as you said, 
jumping off a plane and waiting around in the lounge. Stairway to heaven. So Ben, it's been a, it's a great episode to kick it off, the Active CEO podcast series. And you know, let's wrap it up a little bit from what we talked about today. So we talked a little bit about periodization, so planning our recovery and our workloads. I think that the important point with that, Craig, is to be uh, proactive with how you view your work-life balance rather than reactive. So don't wait until you get sick. Don't wait till it's too much, too stressful. Actually plan those breaks into it. We, we talked a little bit about, you know, you've actually got to spend energy to get energy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, there's some investment, there's some effort that you have to put into this to ensure that there's an outcome. And we, you know, the whole work-life balance, so that ability to be able to um, perform well at home as well as in the office space. Yeah, and, and that's really about communication, isn't it? You really need uh, everybody on board with what's happening. Oh, the ability to talk is really mm. powerful. And all CEOs generally like to talk. And, and probably the last take-home point from today was around humbleness. Yeah. Oh, look, absolutely. You know, all in, in my experience, all the successful people have that humbleness about them and they're, they're thankful for what they've been given and, and how they go about their, their work and their life. All right, so it's been a great show. So we've, you know, you've had a chance today to get a bit of an introduction and an insight into both Ben and myself and, you know, we're looking forward to, we're going to be releasing the podcast once every month to begin with and then we'll look to go to fortnightly later on in the year. Uh, so the next episode, we'll have a, a world-leading CEO um, or leader involved in the podcast so stay stay in tuned keep an eye out and uh we'll be ready for the next podcast so in the meantime stay active stay healthy and um this is where the ordinary don't belong join the active ceo movement by visiting www.nrgtoperform.com that's nrg number two perform.com Share this podcast on LinkedIn and be sure to tag in NRG to perform. Leave a review on iTunes. Drop us a line with your feedback and questions and connect with us on the NRG to perform Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next Active CEO podcast where the ordinary don't belong.